0: Welcome to a special Dispatch from Righteous Media. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. America under attack. We are now truly a country at war. At war with domestic terrorists. At war with the coronavirus. At war with a racist legacy. In 2021, America is at war with ourselves. These dispatches will be a quick hit series of breaking news podcasts hosted by me that give you information and analysis you need to protect yourself and the people you care about. Welcome especially to all our regular listeners from Angry Americans. This dispatch features an urgent conversation with America's favorite terrorism expert, Malcolm Nance. The decorated military veteran, MSNBC terror analyst, and truth teller is back. Malcolm has spent 36 years focused on terrorist strategy, tactics, and ideology, and previously joined us on episode 81 and episode 13 of Angry Americans. Go back and check them out if you've never heard them. In his last visit in October, Malcolm predicted exactly what we're seeing in the headlines today. He described the domestic threat that was looming, rising, and preparing to attack. Most folks didn't see it coming. Malcolm Nance did. Malcolm again joins me to break down what happened inside the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, what most of the media missed about the violent attack, and what could happen next. It's an expert breakdown from a combat veteran who also explains the big picture. What are we facing? Is this the beginning of an American insurgency? How violent will the next few weeks be across the country? Most of the American media is looking back. In this episode of The Dispatches, we're looking forward. The war is on, and America is a battlefield. This is your update. This is The Dispatches. And now, our conversation with Malcolm Vance. Ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing you a special episode of what we've called in the past the dispatches. This is a chaotic time, an important time, and an urgent time, and we're going to try to continue to bring you conversations that hit on exactly what's happening in this moment. So, given what's unfolding in our country, what's sure to unfold in the next weeks and months to come, I am very pleased, grateful, and happy to welcome back the great and powerful Malcolm Nance. Welcome back, sir.
1: You no, know, if I had a curtain I could hide behind to be the great and powerful Malcolm Nance, I'd take it at this point.
0: Well, you can't, you can't hide anymore, and I think that's a good thing for America. <laughs> you and I have talked a couple of times, and last time we spoke was in October. And basically, we predicted a lot of what's happening right now. You predicted it. Uh, I saw a lot of the same warning signs and now it's unfolding. So I I really want to give you a chance to, maybe most of all, um, did people think you were being alarmist? Did people not believe that this was possible? (laughs) I think it's important that we start with that because what comes next could potentially be even worse. So maybe starting with that, did you feel like you were alone and sounding this alarm, Malcolm, for weeks and weeks and weeks? Well, you know,
1: I've, I've been pretty good for the last four years, five years of sounding the alarm and having people literally come up to my face or come on TV and sit next to me and say, you're an alarmist. Uh, you know, for the longest time, Trump-Russia was a conspiracy theory that I had thought up uh, every, you know, it took the Mueller report to come out and, and prove all that. So when you and I last talked about this, I had it had popped into my head that I was going to need another book. And I swore I'd never write another Trump book ever. But the warning signs that I was seeing across the summer, the things that I was collecting, uh, my uh, my tapestry group, we collect uh, and monitor right-wing extremist communications, chatter, telegram channels, back when they, Parler, when Parler was up, which was just 24 hours ago and now Wait. it's gone. Um, we were monitoring all these communications and we saw an extremely large movement that was far bigger than just components of the Proud Boys, the Boogaloo Boys, the the Three Percenters, the Oath Keepers. Um, And what I saw was what we discussed last time is that there was a rising insurgency in the United States. And when I say insurgency, I mean by the definition of, you know, of the U.S. military's uh, insurgent handbook, uh, which is uh, you know a, a body of armed uh, of armed personnel or paramilitary personnel who are acting as an underground guerrilla force in support of uh, of uh, of an ideology for a base of people who reject the current government, and so at the time that we were talking, I was seeing that building wave, and I think what I said was. The election was going to go one of two ways. If Joe Biden, if if the if Donald Trump won the election, then the Boogaloo Boys, Proud Boys, and all of them would become a paramilitary uh, element of the Trump campaign. In as they reject, uh, you know, as they oh no, as they enjoy the victory that they had, then they would technically become an open brown shirts, right? And then I said, if Joe Biden wins then there will be a complete rejectionist front. The election is stolen and these people with Donald Trump as their leader, as president in exile will become an insurgency and they will go underground and that insurgency will have three components. the The political insurgency, which will be Donald Trump as president in exile, all of his allies as being Republicans in exile, the legitimate winners of elections, then the paramilitary insurgency which is the militia and all of that and then the terrorist insurgency which would be you know whatever group will ne- then devolve into their version of the Irish Republican Army right yep. and that's where our our real trouble will come many of these people know that history they understand the troubles in Ireland they saw how effective some of this stuff can be. They live these fantasies in their head where every time they get their rifle, Gary Owen is playing, you know, and they you know this cavalry song right. uh, and um they think that they're that they um they also are like Isis, live in this alternate universe where they are essentially companions. Uh, you know, and the living heirs of the American Revolution. And they love the Sons of Liberty as a terrorist group and as the founding insurgents in the United States. Yeah. So they're constantly making reference to that. You might have seen that video during the Capitol uh, siege or the Capitol assault where the guy goes, I really feel like we should be having music to this, some sort of like revolutionary war music. Really, dude, you're destroying the Capitol. So so Malcolm,
0: you, you know, you, I'm glad this is the point that I think people need to understand. This was not uh, an end in many ways. this 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 is, this is a beginning of an insurgency. It's a symbolic moment. It's a moment that created a martyr. It's a moment that is viewed by many as a victory. And I think what people don't understand is, okay, we can harden the Capitol. We can harden inauguration. But just like any other insurgency, they're just going to work their way down the food chain and hit other places. Some of it may be coordinated. Some of it may not be. You may have coordinated elements like the Proud Boys. You may have lone wolves like the guy who drove an RV into Nashville. And it's a whole new reality where people who either uh, either sanely or insanely are abiding by this ideology and consider themselves freedom fighters. Right. And the same yeah. way we battled ISIS and Al Qaeda and others, some of them are organized and highly trained. Some of them are yahoos with a laptop and, and, and a, and a how to pipe bomb kit. Right. So this right. is, in my view, and I think you were predicting this, a new normal where this ain't going to go away. And, and, and no matter what happens on January 20th, it's going to pop up in other places. And like ISIS and Al Qaeda were whack-a-mole in Iraq and the Middle East, this is going to be whack-a-mole in America.
1: I think we just dis- we actually discussed this as the the beginning of a new four year campaign of of insurgency in the United States and in fact the the January 6th was there was the debutante ball it was the coming out not just you know like Charlottesville was the coming out of the alt-right you know unite the right where they got all those guys in case that looked very familiar on the sixth. Is because every person involved in Charlottesville was at the Capitol, live broadcasting, uh, you know, out there saying that this is what they were. After Charlottesville, they were so shamed that they went underground as insurgents, and then they found their center of gravity, their their reason, depth, the the purpose of their being, in Donald Trump and trumpism and they saw it for what it is which was an umbrella for all white grievance it was a white supremacist, supremacist led tribal war is what they were preparing for mm. and so while we thought that you know black lives matter being confronted by a few proud boys was the you know the beginning and the end of that If you look during the summer, they grew in ranks all summer. And so, you know, by what we didn't realize was, is that when the police were fighting Black Lives Matter and Antifa alongside of these guys, that in fact, it was the state with these young guys as paramilitaries, political armed paramilitaries, actually confronting them and that we never thought that they along with the Trump base, which is their, you know, their their mother McGee, right, who will hide their submachine gun under her floorboards and sleep on top of the hand grenades that they stole when the the police come in. They love those Jimmy Cagney Irish Republican Army images, by the way. Hmm. So they, what happened at that rally, which was estimated to be 40,000 people, was they carried out what? the terrorists who were arrested in Michigan didn't carry out. Right. When that plot to kill Governor Whitmer went awry, the indictment actually said there was a plan B if they couldn't kidnap her, bring her up to Wisconsin and execute her on live stream. The plan B was to storm the Michigan Statehouse with 200 men, right. Get let the Republicans go out, let the cops go out, and then to try and execute all the Democrats in the building.
0: Yeah. So that's, that so, that's plan B. so that's, that's where that we are in October. Yeah. And, and that's where we are now this, you know, I think some folks think that they think this was their Waterloo, right? But it's more no. like their nine 11 it's their nine 11 it's, it's a spectacular victory. They got as far as they could. They, they, they breached, you know, it's symbolically it's huge in numbers. It's big image, but there's a part of this, that, that troubles me and I think is important too, Malcolm, as we think about this as a long fight. Matt Gallagher, the great writer and veteran said something along the lines mm-hmm. of when he got to Iraq in 2007, they said all the stupid insurgents were already dead. Now comes the hard mm-hmm. part, right? And I feel like this moment where you got this guy with the bear costume on and all these crazy looking people, oh, yeah actually removes how normalized some of this thinking has become, right? They don't realize that there are people in suits, there are people in organizations, there are people all around you, and that will be the next phase that starts to to unfold, right? And now we know, as we record this on Monday night, they are preparing for attacks on all 50 state houses. Uh, The Homeland Security Director, Chad Wolf, has now resigned, which creates even more tumult, right, more leadership turnover. So when you look across the next couple of weeks or even the next couple of days what do you see and what are you watching for that maybe the country isn't fully comprehending right now malcolm
1: you know for about 24 hours i was convinced that we might have broken a part of their spirit with them with the fbi and local law enforcement going out and just arresting everybody right and i started reading you know in these forums that they were in like oh you know, they're, they're coming after us. I can't afford to lose my job was one of them. And in fact, one of the videos that I thought was was rather poignant actually turned out not to be about a protester. It was about a guy who wouldn't wear a mask and got put on a no fly list. And he was in the airport and he starts shouting, you know, they put me off. I'm on a no fly list. And then he literally started crying when he said, they're calling me a terrorist. Well, you know what? That counter-messaging might be more effective than anything. These people have to go to work, right? And some people do get their lives ruined. A lot of people are getting their lives ruined, by the way, because of what they did. And like one group of people said on an airplane, you're accountable for what you did. You shouldn't have done what you did. National shame needs to come down on them. And, and, and I that, think that...
0: As that happens, this is where. Sorry. as that how ha- happens though, those videos are also uh kind of like a manifesto, right? Like they 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 want to be the guy who gets thrown out of Walmart. They want to be the guy yeah, they, who's remembered they're, they're for they're putting up the fight, right? So we're also celebrating shirts them. it's like a new it's yeah, like yeah. the new beheading videos, right? They're snuff videos that create glorification of these heinous acts and bad behavior, right? Look, these these
1: guys don't want to be martyrs because they have to give up time off of their bass boat, okay? These guys are living a fantasy. Look, ISIS, when they started, created this bizarre psychological trick in their head where they claimed they were living exactly like the immediate friends of the Prophet Muhammad in 632. They call themselves the companions of the Prophet. And they said, if we dress this way, we behave this way, we reduce Islam to Islam as it existed in 632 and live as if the prophet was sitting next to me advising. Me. Right? Instantly, I, I saw this as what it was, which was a form of Islamic cultism. And in fact, the prophet Muhammad had a group at that time, right, called the Khawarij, who are identical to ISIS. And he said, these people will pretend to be Muslims. They'll even pretend to love me, but someday they're going to leave Islam like an arrow leaves the bow. This group of vanilla ISIS, these white insurgents, as they view themselves, have been building to this crescendo. And the Capitol did not play out exactly as they wanted it, right? When that mob got in there, the building was going to be set on fire. There's just You just can't have a mob I mean, I'm from Philadelphia. So watch a Super Bowl victory party, right? If remember when Philadelphia had to literally grease all the poles in downtown right. because people were climbing on them and destroying one hundred and fifty thousand dollars light poles, Imagine what they do in the House of Congress. Well, we saw it. These people are living a revolutionary fantasy in their head that they are on, you know, uh, you know, that they boarded the HMS Romney, right, and and uh, got the tea and are taking it out, that they are going to tar and feather, you know, the tax collectors. They constantly refer to um, uh, that, that woman, Babbitt, being shot as the new Concord. Right. They have right. harnessed a, right. a delusion. Right. The problem is that delusion is almost equivalent to the weak, of April 14, 2003, when Saddam Hussein's forces disappeared from the battlefield, and then weeks later, terrorist attacks started forming. You just saw the beginning of what will be the next four years or more of open political warfare. Donald Mm -hmm. Trump is going to be, he won't be on Twitter, he's going to create websites. If you go to thedonald.win, you'll get a taste of that kind of Burvert fever, you know, fever swamp way of thinking. Trump is going to speak that way. He's going to be in news media. He's going to be giving interviews. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and he's going to become his version of Sinn Fein, right? That's, right, that's right. No, I think that's I think that's the way. parallel that you and other students of this have seen, and I and others have tried to note. Look, it's it's much bigger than Trump now. If Trump dies tomorrow, they won't think he's really dead. And other people will, will claim to be his voice, and then others will rise in his place. And this is Donald a Trump true Jr. a true movement now. And I hope that Biden and others will prioritize similarly as they didn't in Iraq, jobs programs, opportunities, ways for people to be a part of the future, because you can't kill them all, right? You can't kill them all. You can't you gotta try to change hearts and minds. But well, let me give you time, some advice. Yeah, but let me ask you this, Malcolm. I'm ge- I, I yeah. want to get to a question. If you sure. You have been talking about specifically hardening inauguration, you know, shut it down, don't give them easy targets, right? And I think there's a story that you and others are telling about how in some ways, whether we were lucky or good, it could have been much worse. Not, not a yeah. single member of Congress was killed, wounded, or captured. None of the staff were killed, wounded, or captured. None of the media were killed, it looks like, or captured. So on that level, whether we were good or lucky, that was, that was a, a point of recognition. But what do you tell Biden now, if you're advising him, which I hope you are, what does he do strategically and tactically in the next couple of weeks that will make this better?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I do have some ideas on that. Um, well, first off, um, the, the reason that that massacre didn't happen was because there was at least one Secret Service officer. Either it was Secret Service or Capitol Hill Police personal security detail. Those are the immediate bodyguards who come under Secret Service authority when the Vice President of the United States is in the building. He had a corridor, the speaker's lobby. Um, I ran bodyguards in Iraq for 10 years, both Iraqi, British, American bodyguards. Uh, I was bodyguard trained and this guy had a sector of fire. And he had orders that barrack, the, the door, the speaker's door was barricaded. Um, if you didn't see the video, it's waist high in ch- tables and chairs and the windows. You know, the three Capitol Hill cops got out of the way after some guy reasoned with them that we're going to get through here anyway. We don't want to hurt you. So they moved out of the way. And that guy didn't flinch. He's, he's the gun in the corner. And you notice, yep. good tactics. He yep. didn't stand in the fatal funnel. Yep. Right? Yep. And he made a commitment to himself because down that hallway was everybody hunkered in the house chambers. And it was simple. The man was, in my estimation, he is one of the few people uh, who really understood his duty that day. And people are going to scurry at me for that. But I'm sorry. You, when you're a mob, you're beyond an individual who's coming in there, right? You're a fanatics. They, would, they were tearing things apart with their bare hands. They were using floor, pure human mass to smash oak doors with yep. hundreds of them squeezing against it, pushing against it. That either that, uh, Secret Service officer, uh, as it appeared, I mean, it struck me as he was probably Secret Service, but he might have been Capitol Police because uh, that's a completely different animal, those guys, right? They're, they're essentially an adjunct to the Secret Service. He said, whoever comes through that wall, you know, dies. And they have to, because whatever happens, if I don't shoot that person and break, we call this you might remember this, assault breaking, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. if you don't assault break right there and change the dynamic of the assault, right? Mm-hmm. To create a defensive situation to his, and he was the only guy who had control of that hallway. There was no hallway control team down there. In right. fact, when he shot and killed that protester outright, when he shot, um, a counter, a, a uh, secret service, uh, not secret service, a US Capitol Hill police containment and emergency response team had just come up the steps and they didn't understand what was going on. They had lost complete situational awareness because they were treating these protesters as if they were al- not allies, but not a deadly force. I went through SWAT officer school with the first Capitol Hill police SWAT team, the first cert team, way back in, oh, back in the old two th- 1999, I think it was. And uh, now it was 2000. I went back in 2000. And I remember my lessons. They were coming up a step. They had hundreds and hundreds of protesters on the ledge about them. A person is dead at their ground. There are people everywhere. The hallway to the speaker's hall in the House of Representatives with all those people is there, are there. I knew my first thought was, oh my God, backs to the wall, weapons up, weapons dominance of the entire scene. Yep. Five ARs could have controlled and said everybody on the ground, right? A yep. gun had been discharged a yep. person is dead you don't know how it came they didn't
0: do that so i'm i'm glad you you've been breaking down some of the tactical parts that people didn't see the zip ties the choke points mm-hmm. um the people forget there were pipe bombs right in, in, in two, right. at least two and may, maybe more right i mean we won't ever really know how many threats they neutralized right uh, in, in the outskirts in other cities maybe we'll find out over time but to that central question of what happens next, what should Biden do? Should they shut it all down and do this whole thing virtually? Or well, what should they do in the next couple of weeks to try to stay ahead well, of what is now an imminent predictable threat?
1: I'll let you know because I intend to be there on the on the diet somewhere. Um, but right now, obviously, this is beyond. This is, we are, are having a national security event, right? in a situation where we have now seen a demonstrated threat. So it's like you were having the inauguration the week after
0: 9-11. Right.
1: Right? Which means right. you're, you're not, you're not going to have stingers on the building. You're going to have patriots on the mall, right? You're going to have every known weapon system to man. What Biden needs to do is let the Secret Service and the, the new national security infrastructure play this out, right? And I, I, I went on air the other day and I said, national security exclusion zone, right. everything south of K Street to the waterfront, everything from second at the Capitol, you know, from third or fourth south to the waterfront is a no personnel zone. No personnel other than soldiers and national guardsmen and police. No humans Let the picture be an empty mall. He needs to run it like FDR did right? If I were him, I would have said, you know what, we're going to do it on the North Portico of the White House. But he, he wants to keep with tradition, hit it, get in the car, drive to the White House and say, I'm going immediately to the White House nonstop to do the people's business. Then present yourself after you signed you know, H.R. 1, the new Voting Rights Act, and you rescinded 500 of Donald Trump's executive orders and that, you know, and then come out on the the North Portico and present yourself to the United States as the first lady and the president. You know, and and I'm afraid to say it. I don't even want to say it. He will have to take down those Texas barriers around the White House. He does have to establish a level of normalcy. Mm. He can use the nine foot, the nine foot see through barriers that are around the Capitol now. But Donald Trump created a bunker in there. And uh, as, as uh, Stephen King said, the Fuhrer bunker, right? right. We, don't, we don't need that. But I do think this is one thing that will happen that Merrick Garland will have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Donald, uh, President Biden will have to deal with the rest of the nation, sign a million coronavirus things on day one, all of government approach to killing coronavirus. Merrick Garland, on the other hand, needs to embrace the word terrorism, right? And one of the things that I think that needs to happen very quickly is an amendment to the terrorism statute. Uh, Do you know that there is no domestic terrorism laws in the United States? There are none. Hmm. You cannot be branded a domestic terrorist because all of America's present terrorism laws are oriented to international terrorism, which is why they don't charge you with terrorism. They charge you with exploding, exploding a weapon of mass destruction, or carrying out weapons with the threat of violence, there's no way to brand you as a terrorism. I think that needs to be done in the next week or so, So, so in in the next couple of weeks.
0: If this is a new normal, right, if this is maybe the chapter after 9-11 and what happens next, and I think this could potentially be our real forever war, right, the ongoing war that may, it could take a generation, it could take years, it could take but, but if, assume that it will, be, it will take some, probably a longer period Years. of time than most Americans are ready for, right? If that's right. the case and folks are listening and they say, I'm not a cop, I'm not in government, I'm not on TV, what can the average person do? Right? In the same way we ah. looked at President Bush and said, what can you do after 9-11? He said, go shopping. If, given your expertise, a lot of Americans look to you. What can the average American do in the next couple of weeks to help the situation? and to help their country when, when they need it?
1: Well, to use the word help here is very difficult because it's going to require uh, some of the opprobrium that we've been seeing. I have to tell you, uh, I, I embrace psychological operations. I've been, I was involved in a lot of psychological operations on a strategic scale. I wrote three books about how to break ISIS, uh, well, originally Al-Qaeda and ISIS by injecting what we call the weapon of doubt into their ideology. This one is much easier. First, you're going to have Merrick Garland and the Justice Department indicting people by the hundreds. And like I said, you need to embrace the word terrorism. So if the House does their duty and removes the word international from our terrorism statutes, people can be charged with terrorism. By the way, okay, here's an unpopular take. Uh, Tell me I'm wrong. the action against the Capitol was not a terrorist attack. The action against the Capitol was out of control, civil disobedience, civil disturbance. The guy with the Molotov cocktails and his intent was terrorism. The person who placed the two pipe bombs near the DNC and the RNC, that was an act of terrorism. However, they have plenty of opportunity now to earn the title terrorism. But the regular civilian, you don't have to stick to tight legal definitions the way I do. I only wrote a book called the Terrorist Recognition Handbook that's used by all federal law enforcement. What you can do is disdain and shame and literally call out the people who thought 57% of Republicans, no, 47% approve of the attack on the Capitol. That's a plurality. 45% disapprove. You need to shame them. And you need to remind them to recalibrate their patriotism. What they did was not patriotism. It was sedition. And sedition is treason minus the fact that you're working for a foreign power. You were calling for the overthrow of the United States government. And rebel flags, tear them down. The Trump flag is going to be synonymous with the rebel flag here soon. All right. It's going to be framed in museums someday, along with the swastika and the rising sun. Mm. So I would make it clear to my neighbors. I have neighbors in, in upstate New York. They're all instantaneously started flying. They're still flying their Trump flags and putting up signs that say election fraud, stop election fraud. Republicans gave every one of them those signs. But you know what shames them now? I haven't been home, but I'm certain in a week I won't see those signs up there. I'll see half of them. Mm. We need to shame these people. We need to tell them what your your supporter was wrong. Wrong. That's not America. E Pluribus Unum from many one. What you did was I want to destroy America. No different than ISIS. Oh, they hate that. Vanilla ISIS is not a joke. They are, they are now essentially forming and self-radicalizing and radicalizing amongst their friends on the internet in order to destroy everything we hold dear.
0: You you branded it vanilla ISIS. You called them y'all-Qaeda, right? These other terms that kind of, I think folks, you know, kind of laughed at it at the time, but now they're seeing it and understanding the similarities. Vanilla are, ISIS,
1: they really hate.
0: Are, are, are very strong, but let me, let me ask you this, and, and then I gotta let you go, because you've probably slept less than almost anybody in America in the last week. Um, what level of violence in America, for call it between now and the summer? Uh, I, we're all trying to prepare our families, we're trying to make smart decisions, we're trying to get the vaccine and do other things, but like the overall level of violence, should we prepare ourselves for a different level of violence or preparation for violence in our state capitals in our supermarkets. I mean, how far does this go over the next couple of months in your projection? Because you've been kind of the Tony Romo of terrorism for the last couple of months here. You predicted it before it happens. What do you think the next, you know, six months look like in terms of actual violence, Malcolm? I think they're
1: going to limit their violence to political protest violence. And that's the, they're going to, believe me, I mean, right after they hit the Capitol, I think within an hour, within an hour, I said, I'm already receiving intelligence that they, they intend to start hitting safe, uh, state houses. I said for the next 24 to 48 hours. Yep. And within five hours, three state houses were hit. The next day, another one where they were having the pro, you know, tearing down the, uh, the governor's mansion in, 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 was in Washington state. Look, if they feel that they can carry out these actions with impunity, they will keep stepping up. The thing about insurgencies, and we're we're at stage one insurgency, phase one insurgency, Mao Zedong's insurgency, where you, you actually start politically degrading the current government by removing its legitimacy, right? And I want to keep it at phase one insurgency, which is that step where terrorist cells are planning but they're still subject to counterterrorism or, or anti-terrorism measures. And on occasion, you may have a shot taken. I think we may see more lone wolves. Right. You know, Walmart shooters, Poway shooters, Poway San Diego shooters. Because there was an incident yesterday, none of you saw. I know. Guy in Seattle started shooting up his apartment complex. Shooting out through the apartments of his neighbors, he had an AR-15 with a six, with a 90-round drum, single drum, all the high-end, you know, ACOG op- optics and all that stuff. Uh, drunk off his butt, and was a military-aged white guy. Mm-hmm. 42, I think, is he was. And you know, I thought he he couldn't participate in these events. He staged his own drunken gunfire event. He fired off like 30, 40 rounds into his neighbor's apartments and down out into the street. We're gonna be seeing more of that. But in terms of full flail terrorism, here's one thing I can leave you that'll make you guys feel happy. Despite what you think about cops, cops like to be the final arbiters of what kind of law and order happens on the street. So if these guys think they're going to get all froggy and jump with a gun, they're going to really understand why we fund SWAT teams. Mm. SWAT teams, when it comes to actually going to guns, they don't care the, the who's doing it. You know how they are. You know salters, right? Door kickers just like to kick the doors. And if you're a right-wing terrorist group and there ain't no ISIS and Al-Qaeda around, you will do. And they will aerate you just as fast as they will aerate you know, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the shooters in Los Angeles, the, the, the I, I, ISIS terrorist in, in, uh, Riverside, uh, Los Angeles, they will just hose you down. That is, police are actually on your side. All right. The guys who ain't are going to find out very quickly. They can do just as just as rapidly arrested by the feds as any other yokel. So don't worry too much about these guys you know, ruining your night with gunfire.
0: Well, we're grateful to have you on the watch. I hope that anyone listening follows you on, on social media. You're a, you're a must follow uh, and, and continue to read everything you put out, watch you on television. You have been on the watch for America for the last, I don't know, decades, but especially in the last couple of months, and the last couple of days. I personally, and, and, and I know I speak for many people, are grateful for you for telling the hard truths uh, for not pulling punches, for telling people what might be too uncomfortable for them to hear. It, it's what we need, and that's, in my view, the definition of patriotism, and and you are a true patriot. We're grateful for you, and I'm grateful for you joining us. I hope you'll come back again soon.
1: Well, you notice I wore black, right? Watchers <laughs> on the wall.
0: <laughs> I hope you get some sleep, man, at some point in there. You, you need it, and we need you All for right. Hall. Thank you, my friend. Stay vigilant and stay frosty.
1: All right. Bye-bye.
0: My deepest thanks to Malcolm Nance and to you for listening. We're going to continue to bring these dispatches to you as often as I can as news continues to unfold. And look for new episodes of Angry Americans every Thursday. If you're not already a subscriber, go ahead and subscribe to the dispatches too. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or you can go to thedispatches.us. That's thedispatches.us. And if you like this dispatch, be sure to give it five stars and share it with your friends. Special thanks to our incredible creative director, Chris Rosenthal, and to the entire Righteous team, and to Hypnotic Brass Ensemble for the music. The Dispatches is powered by Righteous Media. And until the next time, wherever you are, stay vigilant. And stay frosty.